Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, we're making our way, uh, I am, as I'm up here on Wednesday, we went through Ephesians chapter 2, today we're we're picking up on chapter 3 of Ephesians. Back in chapter 2, if you were here Wednesday night, we learned, or if you listened in online, uh, we learned that all of chapter 2 really revolved and involved around God's grace. And uh, we, we talked about why we needed God's grace. We talked about what was involved in God's grace. We talked about uh, the results of God's grace. And, and we learned that we don't just need God's grace for salvation only, but we need his grace for every day of every moment in our lives, right? And in the context of chapter 2, uh, was really primarily dealing with reconciliation with God. And it was God's grace that reconciled the Jew and the Gentile, both becoming one. And now God not only reconciled them, but as they are one, as they became the, the church, the body of Christ, um, now he has reconciled even us, the church, those two, as one in him. And so how God has reconciled them is, is just amazing, and it's by his grace, right? And this was something that was not revealed in the Old Testament. They call it a mystery, and we're going to talk more about that today. In the Old Testament, the Jews understood um, that they were to uh, really be a light onto the Gentiles. They knew that, right? Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, verse 6. It was a, they knew that they were going to be a light to the world, the Gentiles. And they knew that the Messiah would come through the Jewish people. Uh, but they never, ever would have imagined that the Messiah would come making one the Jew and the Gentile together, breaking down that middle wall of separation, that division that was between the Jews and the Gentile. And so it's pretty amazing. And also they were included into uh, really the common wealth of Israel and also the covenants of promise, which is amazing. And so because of God's grace, that's exactly what had had happened. So let's go ahead and read uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 1. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Right there, the Jews were like, oh, what? <laughs> of which I became a minister, Paul says, according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power, To me, Paul says, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ uh, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus." 
Now, to the, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence uh, through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that, that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Oh, boy. This is, uh, this is just exciting, guys. So we'll be going through Ephesians. Uh, verses 1 all the way to verse 13 is really dealing with uh, the, the, really the, uh, the afterthoughts of, of Paul, what he's already been going through in chapter 2, uh, dealing with the mystery of Christ. And then in verse 14 all the way to uh, verse 21, we have his applied prayer, if you will. Uh, today we're going to be looking at this first section dealing with the mystery of Christ. You guys ready for this mystery? It's going to be exciting. Um, this, this whole mystery in Christ is, again, it's speaking of the Jew and the Gentile becoming one, right? How Jesus Christ on the cross tore down that middle wall, that division of separation between the Jew and the Gentile, making them one. And, and Jesus Christ made them also reconciled to himself, right? So that they can have a relationship with him. And this word mystery, by the way, it doesn't mean something magical or mysterious or spooky, you know, that some people think of when they hear the word mystery, right? Um, but it carries the idea of something that has been previously hidden, but yet has now been revealed. And so it carries the idea uh, of this mystery of, of Christ, right, of of, of bringing the Jew and the Gentile as one and bringing them together reconciled to himself. So that's what we're going to look at today. And I want to really go over six things that Paul outlines for us in this passage uh, that are involved with the mystery uh, of Christ. Now, the first thing is notice the stance that Paul is taking here. Notice in verse one, he says, for this reason. Now, the reason that Christ is the fulfillment of this mystery, right, is, is a result of his shed blood, the tearing down of that middle wall of separation uh, between the Jew and the Gentile. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. So the stance that Paul took of this mystery of Christ, right, really uh, involved imprisonment. If you really look at the ministry that Paul was in, his ministry involved imprisonment. Now, understand that wherever Paul went, he was imprisoned, right? In Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 21, Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 28, uh, over and over, it's like when he went to a new city, he didn't say, hey, how are the hotels there, right? It was like, hey, how are the prisons there? How's the food in the prison there, right? It's Because it's like he knew he was going to be locked up. Uh, and, and so I believe that every town he went to, that I think, I don't know, I, just, I don't know, but... Um, but there's two things I want to note about the stance that Paul took in verse 1. Uh, we, we, notice that his imprisonment was in Christ, right? His imprisonment was in Christ. Uh, he was not the prisoner of Rome. He was the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now consider this, right? Question, was Paul in jail? Yeah. Was he in chains? Yeah. But, but Paul understood that his 
chains were in Christ Jesus. I think that's so important to understand. I think we can overhear that. It goes one ear out the other, right? But it was for the sake of the gospel. It was for the sake of reconciling the Jew and the Gentile. Both, it didn't matter who they were, as long as they were human, human beings, right? It didn't matter about Jews anymore or Gentile. It was all about becoming one in Christ. It was about proclaiming the gospel to them. And, and uh, this ministered to me, because let's face it, guys, sometimes we feel like we're in prison, right? It, it might be at work. It might be with family. It might just feel like you're in chains. It might feel like a heaviness about it. But understand this. It's about the mystery of Christ, right? The majesty of the gospel. And really, it's a good thing. Understand this. If you're born again, if, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you, you understand who he is and what he's done, uh, whether it's at work or wherever you are, that, that, the feeling of, man, I feel like I'm, I'm in chains. I feel like I'm in prison. I, you know, this, my boss is just really ruling and reigning over me. And it's like, oh, right? It's just, it's just that heavy feeling. Uh, I know I've been through it many times, and it's just like, oh, Lord, oh, right? It's, it's easy to fall into the flesh and just cry and murmur and get depressed and whatnot. But God has you where he wants you. You're in the exact place that God wants you to be, and he has a plan and a purpose for you to be where you are and to grow where you are. And our imprisonment, understand, is not in man. It's not what man can bring us, but it's in Christ Jesus. When we look, it's amazing. When we're content, right, we begin to look beyond our circumstances. We don't just look at the circumstance and stop there. As a Christian, we're looking straight up, right? We're, st- we're looking straight to the Lord, which is past all those circumstances. It's past the financial stuff, the political stuff, the, you know, there's so many things in this world that terrify people and shake them up and, and really just run them down. And you can see it on them too. It just it make it ruins your image. But, but Jesus, right? He came in the picture and because of him, we have a new mind, right? We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're, we're a new creation in him, and it's amazing. So let's come to the second thing. Paul's imprisonment was in Christ, but his imprisonment was also for Christ. No, notice in verse 1. By the way, actually, turn to Philippians, a um, couple pages to your right. Philippians chapter 1 the stance that Paul took was very clear that it was in Christ, but it was also for Christ Jesus. Now, for the sake of the mystery, for, for Christ, right? Paul realized his chains, his imprisonment was for Christ. It was about bringing others to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, have you guys ever wondered why Christ has you in the situation that you're in, like, why? Why, Lord? You, you think you're, you're in harm's way, you're in bad shape, and you might be, right? But you think that whatever is happening to you, it's pretty radical, right? And, and understand that whatever imprisonment that you might be facing uh, or feeling needs to be used for the furtherance of the gospel. Use whatever is around you, right? Jesus did the same thing. Paul did the same thing. And I don't know about you, but I am encouraged by that. Paul understood that whatever imprisonment that you might be facing or feeling, whatever your situation is, give the gospel to somebody. Use it for the furtherance of the kingdom, right? And use it to turn others to Christ. And uh, there's there's a, a trigger almost when you're going through that heaviness, that imprisonment feeling. It's like 
you, you can push the trigger, right? You, you know the button where you just fall apart. You're like, that's it. Woe is me. Oh, I'm depressed and I'm falling apart. And ah, oh, right? Or you can, you can take a stand and you can be steadfast. You can be faithful. Um, I think of my son. Last night we were playing Uno, right? The little card game. And uh, my son Malachi he uh, he started. He almost won all of a sudden in the beginning, right? And then he was like, he didn't win. All of a sudden, he had to pick up a bunch of cards, and he's like, oh, and he quit. He's like, I quit. He just threw the cards down. I was like, Malachi, don't you dare quit. You can pick up those cards, and let's see what happens, man. And he started. So we're we're playing again, and then I looked at my daughter, and I'm like, okay, there's something going on here because she has she she has this little. I know my daughter, right? You you know your kids. And she's got this little smirk on her face. And she's like, oh, I got to pick up an, oh. And, I was, and she kept picking up. And she's like, half of the deck, literally. I was like, are you kidding me? You don't have a blue card? And she's like, no, there's no blue cards. And she just kept going. She had half the deck. And I was like, what are you? And then I was like, oh, there's something. I know you. I was, I was looking at her. I was like, there's something up about this. And then she had that little smirk, and then she's like, and then to the last card, right? She's like, oh, look, I have a switch hands card. And she's all, Malachi, here you go, switch hands. And she switched hands. He had this whole, like, literally half the deck. And obviously, I tried to encourage him, Malachi, don't give up, don't give up, right? And he's like, oh, what is this? And, uh, but... All of a sudden, we kept playing for some reason, and, and uh, the second time, he almost won again. Then the third time, he almost won again, and he had to keep picking up more cards, and he's like, oh. And then the fourth time, he actually won the game. I was like, are you kidding me? That's amazing. I was like, Malachi, yeah. That was, it was just so cool. And, and as I was reading this this morning, I was like, oh, that's so like us. That's our, that's our, like our Christian walk with the Lord. We just want to give up. We want to throw in the towel. But what happens when you stay in the game, right? I, I don't, it's, well, let's just read, right? Look at, woo. Look at Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 12, um, and, and remember, this is Paul who's writing to the church of Philippi, but he's writing from Rome, he's writing from prison uh, in, in chains, in Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 12, it says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my, by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear." So what did Paul's imprisonment do for him? Well, it was not only in Christ, but it was for Christ Jesus, right? His imprisonment really wasn't a bummer in his perspective. He saw it as a blessing, right? He, was, he saw it as opportunity. And, and since other people were getting saved, that was the idea. Um, turn to, look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, look at verse 22, Verse 22 says, all the saints greet you, but especially, now catch this, those who are of, the, of Caesar's household. Whoa, what was Paul doing while in Rome? 
in prison, right? And, and not whining, not crying, not depressed and falling apart about how much he didn't deserve this, right? Imprisonment of, you know, look at how great I am. Look, I'm a scholar, Lord. I know the Old Testament and, 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 you know, I, you know, I'm above the others and none of that, right? It didn't matter his reputation and all his whatever degrees. Um, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was sharing the good news, the mystery of Christ, and people were getting saved. Now, even those of the household of Caesar, it didn't matter how much Caesar hated the gospel, the more he hated it and the more he went against it, somehow it seemed like the gospel was just being more effective. The gospel was going out all the more, not only so in Rome, but even to his own household, people were getting saved. And he's like, ah, right? His daughter's walking by. And he's like, achoo. And she's like, God bless you. He's like, ah, right? He was getting furious at that time. But no matter how bad our situation might be, we, we can look at it as a bummer or we can look at it as a blessing. Whatever the situation you might be going through and ask yourself, how can I bring God glory through this situation? Lord, how can I glorify you in this? Your, your co-workers are watching you, by the way. They're watching how you are handling the situation, the circumstance that you're going through. And, and if you're continuing in, you know, as doing it onto the Lord, they're going to come up to you and ask you, what's the reason for the hope that you have? I mean, how do you, why are you not complaining and, and falling apart like the rest of us would have? But then, now you have opportunity, and you can share with them the gospel. You can tell them about the mystery of Christ, right? He came in, he changed my life. Give them Jesus, right? Oh, I love those words. Give them Jesus. I, I love that. Let, let's come back to Ephesians. Um, Ephesians chapter 3. Um, Let's come to the second thing here, the, the stewardship that Paul had. Let's look at the stewardship that Paul had in verse 2 of chapter 3. It says, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Now, look at that line after the word Gentiles. You guys see that in the middle of verse 1? That indicates a parenthesis, right? That, that, that's how we know that this next section is really a thought, right? It's, it's, it's what that Paul is going toward, this whole mystery of Christ, basically. And, and that word dispensation, by the way, it's a compound word, so meaning house and law, and so it means, when we put them together, the law of the house, right? And so, in other words, it speaks of those who are in charge of household goods, or that's what we would call today a steward, right? And, and so Paul is now a steward of the household of Christ, in a sense, uh, in charge of what? In charge of specifically this mystery that is in Christ Jesus. And what is this mystery? Well, it's the gospel, right? He's in charge of proclaiming the gospel. He is an ambassador a mouthpiece for the gospel. God has given him a mission uh, in his life. By the, by the way, turn with me to the left to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This mystery was given to Paul, and thus he was in charge of it. And the truth is, so are we as the body of Christ, right? And we have all been entrusted to this stewardship, if you will, uh, regarding this mystery of Christ, speaking of the gospel message that ought to be proclaimed to all people, right? Not just the people you prefer to be in heaven with, right? Go to all people. And, and, uh, 
And, and really, it's all about restoring us as one to Christ. And all of us have this mystery uh, of Christ that we got to share with others, right? This, this, uh, the gospel. We got to share the gospel with other people. Um, and, and you might be like, wait a minute. I don't know the Bible that well. I never went to Bible college or seminary or cemetery or whatever you call it. I, I never, you know, I don't notice. I, my words aren't, you know, I don't speak wonderfully. And, and thus we got Moses as an example, right? He didn't have eloquent speech. In fact, he stuttered. And God is like, all right, let's use Aaron to speak for you then. All right. Uh, but uh, maybe you're afraid of, terrified of just talking to people, right, in general. I'm terrified. I don't know if you guys knew that about me. Um, when I was a little kid, I used to be super terrified of just any kind of people coming, you know, talk, my face goes, Boosh. I went to like a, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's like a, a I don't know what it was. It was you got it on stage and you got to see your name and a number, and then it's like auditioning for a commercial or something. And and uh, all, all I said was nothing. I just went, and my face got all red, right? And I was panicking, and and uh, and they actually picked me. That was interesting. <laughs> I was like, all right, but but I'm still terrified. Believe it or not, like here, I know it's you know it's for Christ. It's all. It's not about me. It's about Him. So Lord, you know I I, I desire it. But at the same time, I hate it. <laughs> but that's the flesh, right? And the, that's the war of the flesh and the spirit. But anyways, um, we get, just all that to say is join the club, right? If, if that's you, if your feelings are like, oh, I feel this way or that way, um, your feelings really don't relieve you of the mission that Christ has given to you, right? It's not about your feelings. They don't override the word of God. Uh, we've been given a mission, and we got to fulfill it, guys, and it's on to Jesus, but it's by his grace. And so check this out. First Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 1. It says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful, so you guys, we all have the mystery or this responsibility of really sharing the gospel, right, and to others. And, and some of you guys may be bound to your circumstances, your situation, whatever, that you, you don't feel like sharing the gospel of Jesus, right? And you need to realize that your imprisonment in that sense, right, is in Christ. It's for Christ, right? All of us are going to stand one day before the Lord, Second Corinthians uh, uh, 5 10, I think it is, we're going to stand before the Lord and we're going to have to give a, uh, really a, a reason of why we did what we did. And we're all going to stand before him, uh, whether good, whether you know the Lord or not, right? There's the Bema Seat, there's a great white throne of God. Um, there's one's a reward ceremony, one's a, uh, this is why you're going to be punished, right? For eternity, based off of you didn't believe in me, you didn't walk with me, you didn't choose to allow me to, to take over, and, and he wasn't Lord and Savior over your life. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 13, it says, Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be found as a faithful minister unto the Lord, right? A steward of this mystery of Jesus Christ that he's given to you and I. I want to hear the words, like in Matthew 25, Jesus said, um, Well done, good and faithful servants. 
Those are good words too, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, let's go back to Ephesians uh, chapter 3. The, the revelation Paul received, let's look at the revelation that Paul received. This is in verses 3 through 8, and there's really three things that I want to note about this. Notice in verse 3, it says, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. Um, actually, stop right there. No, let's notice number 3, in verse 3, who, who gave Paul this mystery right who how did he receive this revelation uh it it says who who is he he is referring to Jesus right this revelation came by God himself turn with me to Galatians um, chapter one Galatians chapter one to your left this issue of Paul receiving a revelation from God is really enormous it's huge the church in Galatia uh they were having problems right and and what Paul was proclaiming, they said, Paul, where are you getting this information from? That, that it's, you know, by faith, through God's grace, because of God's grace, and it's all about Christ Jesus alone, and, and, uh, where is this all coming from, right? What about all of our good deeds? What about all this effort that we've been putting in? Look at all these degrees that I've been working for all my life, and, I mean, isn't this something before God? And you're saying, no, it's not, and it's all about by faith through grace, about what Jesus did on the cross, and so there was a big issue happening there with the Church of Galatia, and, and, I, and it says in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 11, he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which I preached by, by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But, here it comes, it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? I want you to know that there is no new revelation, by the way. Understand this, all right? There's no such thing as, understand everything that God has for you and me, everything that uh, we need for life and godliness is contained in the word of God. It's canonized. It's done, right? But is there new revelation as far as practical you know, things in our own lives? Yes, it comes through the word of God as well. It's still confirmed through the word of God. Uh, but there's no nothing new. By the way, just, let's just say this all together. If it's new, it's not true. You ready? If it's new, it's not true. Okay? I want you guys to understand that because there's a lot of weirdo wacky people out there uh, but we need to be biblically sound and understand everything that we need it's already here there is no newer addition to the bible right where uh we don't need all that so anyways uh look look by the way at verse 13 that was all side note stuff. Look at verse 13. It says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it, Paul says. And I advanced in, uh, in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia, uh, presumably about three years in Arabia, in the desert, and then he returned again to Damascus. This is just, it's, it's amazing. So let's go back to 
Let's go back to Ephesians 3. Um, let's look at what is, secondly, what is result, what it resulted in. In verses 4 through 6, uh, it resulted really in two things right here in our text uh, in Ephesians. Look at verse 4. It says, By which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So what did this revelation Paul receive result in? Well, number one, it resulted in understanding. Notice in verses 4 and 5, uh, it's talking about this mystery, right? It's been hidden from uh, time past, right? From those in time past, but it's now been revealed to us uh, by Jesus to his holy apostles apostles and his prophets right and then the point is dealing with understanding notice in verse 4 it says when you read you may have understanding so question when you read what well when you read the word of God right um, and and turn by the way back to first Corinthians go to your left first Corinthians this time do it because we're not going to have it up there on the, the board first Corinthians chapter 2 um the truth is we need the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to us, right? John 14, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, right? And so we need the Holy Spirit to teach us the word of God. It's so easy to get off, right? Uh, if you're in an airplane and you go one degree off, two degrees off, by the time you get to your destination, you're not there, right? You're far from, you're way over here. And so we need the Holy Spirit every single day to direct us and guide us. Um, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 6. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they had for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirits. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Oh man, I could just keep going. This is great. But you and I, we cannot understand the, the word of God 
really, when we read it, unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, revealing it to us, right? He has to first be abiding in us, uh, yet at the same time, he does draw us before we were saved, right? He was drawing us to himself in the word. And so John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I tell you. And so, uh, secondly, go back to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, it resulted in the Gentiles become fellow, becoming fellow heirs. Uh, in verse 6, it says in verse 6 that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And we saw this already in chapter 2, verse 13. We saw it in verse 17, verse 19. And here it is again, right? So now the Gentiles are our fellow heirs in the same body. And so you see, when you, you get saved, you become one of God's chosen people, right? And, and you're grafted into God's chosen people, right? Romans uh, eleven seventeen. 17. Um, they are not grafted into us. We are grafted into them. And so there's a whole lot we can go into that, but th- that's just uh, straightforward. But number three, notice how Paul received this tr- revelation from God in verse seven. Uh, there's really two things that are outlined for us here in verse seven. Uh, number one, it was by the grace of God. Notice in verse seven, it says, of which I, Paul says, became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Minister, by the way, means servant. Diakonos, diakon. Well, I don't know how to pronounce that anymore. Um, anyways, uh, but pastors are not to be they're, they're to be professionals really at cleaning, at serving, at coming alongside you and I, uh, uh, aiding us spiritually, teaching us the word of God, knowing us, like knowing, knowing what, what's our heart, what are we going through, right? It's good to bring those things to the pastor and understand uh, that he's lifting you up in prayer before the Lord. Uh, but uh, what, what, what are pastors like today? They're professionals at what? Skills, setting, and, and, and leadership skills, building a church trade and it's like how did we drift from being a servant to all of a sudden being some kind of you know organization and some kind of business it's it's so weird how business minded has really infiltrated the church uh it's really interesting uh anyways i i, I see you guys coming up to me by the way and uh i taught at, in tucson and there was some guys come up to me almost all the time by the way and they were like you know uh I want to be a pastor. So what do I got to do to become a pastor? It's like, what? <laughs> you, it's not like you got to get some kind of degree for man to say, okay, you're a pastor. No, that's the world way of, of getting to a place you want to be. As uh, the church, it's all about God's calling, right? It's about his gifts. And it's, if, if he's called you to a ministry, you just be faithful. Just be faithful. Let, let go, let God, right? That's always been my little uh, whatever it's called. But let go and let God. Let God handle whatever he's going to handle. If he's called you to it, he is faithful and he'll do it. Uh, I, I love that this mystery that God gave Paul through Jesus Christ really had nothing to do with Paul himself, right? It was all about God's grace and it had nothing to do uh, with Paul being faithful or his Old Testament understanding, his knowledge or any of that. It was because of God's grace and we got to keep it that way. Amen, church? Right? Whatever God's called you to, it's because of his grace, right? If he led you to where you are, it's by God's grace. Don't try to take 
uh, anything from that, right? Leave it with the Lord. Um, and and uh, amen. So let's come to the second thing here uh, that's outlined for us in verse 7. It was by the power of God. Notice in verse 7, by the effective working of his power. Uh, working in the Greek is where we get our English word for um, energy, and, and it says the word power, that's the dynamite, the d- dynamic, right? This mystery of, of Christ really was entrusted to Paul. It didn't come from his own strength, it didn't come from his own power, but by the grace of God, uh, it came right through the power of God. And so it had nothing to do with Paul. In fact, look at verse 8. It says, to me, Paul says, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. So Paul wasn't anything. Paul was just being used by God's grace, right? Uh, by his power to go out and do uh, a mighty work. A mighty work is not always in numbers, by the way, right? Some people think, oh, yeah, it's just not fair. If you go through all these degrees of Bible college and whatever seminary, and then, and then you just get called to a little tribe somewhere in another part of the world, and, and then you just got eight people, and to them, that's unfair, right? That's the world trying to understand and, and, and process this whole thing. But honestly, that is fair. If God called you there, who are you to argue with God, right? If God called you to five people, praise the Lord. That might be your own children God called you to. That might be your mission field, right? Be faithful. Remain steadfast. It's by God's grace, right? You shouldn't even be alive, who are we to think anything of ourselves, right? I don't know about you, but I have a lot of close calls once in a while where it's like, wow, I totally could have died from that, right? It's like, oh man. And now the next morning I wake up, it's like, oh Lord, thank you so much, right? That he's, he's given us the breath, his breath of life, right? And so we don't deserve it. We, we need him. But 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, uh, Paul says to the church, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus, he came into the world to save sinners, and Paul says, of whom I am chief. <laughs> I would have to argue with him on that one. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. But this mystery of Christ has been entrusted to you and me, this uh, proclaiming the gospel, right, to those around us. Uh, and it's through, well, by God's grace, through God's power alone, right? And uh, God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Aren't you glad that you were chosen? <laughs> Gee, thanks, right? But we can't take any credit for being chosen. It was him who chose us, not us who chose him. Okay, and let's go back to Ephesians 3. Um, go to really the fourth thing here is the preaching Paul proclaimed. The preaching that Paul proclaimed. This is in verse 8 all the way to verse 10. And really there's three things that's outlined for us here that Paul gives us. Number one, it involved the riches of Christ. Notice in verse 8, it says that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now if you guys have a New American Standard, that word unsearchable might be saying the unfathomable, right? It carries the idea of in, in taint, uh, I forget how to pronounce that word, but untouchable, unknowable. Um, it's just, it's, it's unsearchable. It's, 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 you know, the riches of God are past finding out. And, and what are the riches of God? I, I don't know. They're unsearchable, right? But I do know, uh, that the riches of God include His love, right? Because of what He did on the cross for you and I, uh, 
his love was manifested there on the cross for you and I. And though I don't understand the riches of Christ, I freely receive his riches, right? Whatever he wants to give us, uh, enjoy them. Freely just desire anything that he has for you, right? They're gifts and that he's given them to you. Uh, secondly, the fellowship of the mystery. Notice in verse 9, this fellowship of the mystery. It says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all, three, all things through Christ Jesus. Now Paul's simply preaching that there is no, there, well there's now fellowship because of the mystery of Christ, right? And question, how can there be fellowship? How can be there that oneness, that koinonia uh, with you and me? Well, it, it comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It's only become it becomes evident in our lives, really, when we're born again. But notice in verse 9, it says, has hidden in God, has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, who, read back in Genesis, right? Who created all things? Well, Jesus Christ, are you sure? Yes. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, 16, I'm not sure if I have it up there, but all things were created through him and for him. I do, yeah. Um, so, it, it's it's all through Jesus Christ. Now, um, third, the preaching of Paul also involved the enlightenment of the angels. Now, this is interesting. In verse 10, it says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. The, the manifold, the many-sided, right? The, the, the multi-sided, if you will. Paul preached the mystery of Christ, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that brings uh, unity between the Jews and the Gentiles, now becoming one with God. And uh, this revelation was received by the manifold wisdom uh, that he received from God. It's now being made known. It's now being manifested, if you will, through you and me to who? To the angels. Wait, what? Okay, angels, they didn't know this before. Did you guys know that? They were created good, by the way, all of them. Now, when Lucifer uh, fell from heaven, he was a songwriter, he was beautiful, right, in appearance, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Isaiah 14, verses 13 to 15, he fell from heaven because he had pride in his heart, right? And a third of the angels went with him. In other words, two-thirds are still in heaven, which is good. But they're not uh, omniscient, right? They don't know all things. They don't know what the future holds. And, and they're still learning things like you and I do. They're ministers, but they're observing. They're looking into this grace that God has for us. He's lo- they're looking into this mystery. They're, they're still fascinated with us. It's pretty amazing. Um, let's come to the fifth thing. If we don't, we're going to... We're going to be here all day. You guys okay with that? I'm okay with that. That's good. Uh, the fifth thing is the purpose Paul gives. Look at verse 11. It says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So everything we have been talking about uh, is all according to his eternal purpose, his eternal plan uh, that he has, which God accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the whole idea of this mystery of Christ, it's by the way, it's not an afterthought, right? It's not something that God's like, oh no, I better fix that. Let me go ahead and, you know, let's do this. No, it was God's plan all along. Even though the Old Testament prophets didn't know about it, they were they looked into it, but they didn't know about it. Um, it was something hidden, but it wasn't, it wasn't God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Um, 
even the angels, it was something that they're scratching their heads and being like, what's going on here? There's something that God has planned and something great, uh, but they didn't even know. But through Christ, it was revealed to who? The apostles and the prophets that you and I understand what is this, you know, he's, man, God has got it all, it's, it's figured out. It's complete. From start to finish, he knows exactly what he's been doing, and he's already done it. Jesus Christ, according to Revelation, I love Revelation, chapter 13, verse 8, uh, it says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb, Jesus, slain from the foundation of the world. When was Jesus crucified on the cross? Was it in one moment of time in God's view and his timeline? No. God knew he was going to be crucified from the beginning before he said, let there be lights. He knew from the very foundation what he was going to do. Amazing. Um, let's come to the last thing here. It involves the request of Paul. The request of Paul in verses 12 to 13. The, requ- the request that Paul makes, basically, in verse 12, let's just read it. In whom, what, this is, remember, this is speaking about Jesus Christ, uh, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So we saw that last Wednesday, right, uh, that we were reconciled to God by Christ Jesus. We have boldness now. We have confidence. We have access into, well, it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. When you come before the Lord in prayer, when you're coming before the throne of God, there's two things that it says right there, that we might find mercy and grace and help in time of need. Come before the Lord with that heart, right, in mind, that looking for those two things is always a good thing. But notice it says, therefore, uh, right here, it says, and this basically is closing that parentheses, that, that, uh, that thought, right, that Paul's having. Um, and here's Paul's request to the Ephesians. And Paul's simply saying, look guys, don't lose heart at my tribulations, my chains, my imprisonment, the things that I'm going through. Hey, it's all for you. He's doing it onto Christ for them to reach them for Christ, that they might mature, that they might grow in, in the grace that God has for them, right? So don't lose heart. Don't get weary in understanding the mystery of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? And I I would question you guys, for all of us, right? Are you being a faithful steward of the mystery of Christ? Are you being a a faithful servant uh, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? I would encourage you, let's flood all of Appleton with the gospel message. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great not to be fearful of man and, and, and be fearful of God instead? That's pretty radical, but that's what God's called us to, and it's pretty amazing. Why don't you guys stand? Um, Let's pray. Let's come before the throne of God right now. Um, Lord, thank you so much uh, for your grace, Lord, and just learning from Paul's heart uh, how he wrestled with this, Lord, and how he, uh, Lord, he was able to look to you in all things. And I pray if there's anybody here who is just... In, in, in all of who you are, but yet they're struggling, Lord. They're, they're, they're looking at their circumstance. They're, they're falling apart. Lord, that they would look to you, that they would see you, that they would know that it's in Christ Jesus, that we have all that we need. Uh, Lord, you meet 
us where we're at and, and we pray, uh, Lord, for your grace. We pray that we would continue to walk by faith, that we would be steadfast, Lord, and faithful to the very end, that we would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, Lord. Um, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't give up, Lord, that we would just continue to persevere, uh, patient in tribulation, and uh, Lord, allowing you to do that work for the sake of those around us, Lord, that they might come to faith in you. So use us, Lord. May we be uh, a light onto this world, and uh, we know that only it's, it's by you, Lord, that that can happen. So uh, we're willing and ready and obedient, Lord, and we we. Wait on you, Father, for that. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Understand what is this, you know, he's, man, God has got it all, it's, it's figured out. It's complete. From start to finish, he knows exactly what he's been doing. And he's already done it. Jesus Christ, according to Revelation, I love Revelation, chapter 13, verse 8, uh, it says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb, Jesus, slain from the foundation of the world. When was Jesus crucified on the cross? Was it in one moment of time in God's view and his timeline? No. God knew he was going to be crucified from the beginning before he said, let there be lights. He knew from the very foundation what he was going to do. Amazing. Um, let's come to the last thing here. It involves the request of Paul. The request of Paul in verses 12 to 13. The, requ- the request that Paul makes, basically, in verse 12, let's just read it. In whom, well, this is, remember, this is speaking about Jesus Christ, uh, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So we saw that last Wednesday, right, uh, that we were reconciled to God by Christ Jesus. We have boldness now. We have confidence. We have access into, well, it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. When you come before the Lord in prayer, when you're coming before the throne of God, there's two things that it says right there, that we might find mercy and grace and help in time of need. Come before the Lord with that heart, right, in mind, that looking for those two things is always a good thing. But notice it says, therefore, uh, right here, it says, and this basically is closing that parentheses, that, that, uh, that thought, right, that Paul is having. Um, and here's Paul's request to the Ephesians, and Paul simply saying, look, guys, don't lose heart at my tribulations, my chains, my imprisonment, the things that I'm going through. Hey, it's all for you. He's doing it onto Christ for them to reach them for Christ, that they might mature, that they might grow in, in the grace that God has for them, right? So don't lose heart. Don't get weary in understanding the mystery of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? And I I would question you guys, for all of us, right? Are you being a faithful steward of the mystery of Christ? Are you being a a faithful servant uh, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? I would encourage you, let's flood all of Appleton with the gospel message. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great not to be fearful of man and, and, and be fearful of God instead? That's pretty radical, but that's what God's called us to, and it's pretty amazing. Why don't you guys stand? Um, let's pray. Let's come before the throne of God right now. 
Um, Lord, thank you so much uh, for your grace, Lord, and just learning from Paul's heart uh, how he wrestled with this, Lord, and how he, uh, Lord, he was able to look to you in all things. And I pray if there's anybody here who is just in, in, in all of who you are, but yet they're struggling, Lord, they're, they're, they're looking at their circumstance, they're, they're falling apart, Lord, that they would look to you, that they would see you, that they would know that it's in Christ Jesus, that we have all that we need. Uh, Lord, you meet us where we're at, and and we pray, uh, Lord, for your grace. We pray that we would continue to walk by faith, that we would be steadfast, Lord, and faithful to the very end, that we would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't give up, Lord, that we would just continue to persevere, uh, patient in tribulation, and uh, Lord, allowing you to do that work for the sake of those around us, Lord, that they might come to faith in you. So use us, Lord. May we be uh, a light onto this world, and uh, we know that only it's, it's by you, Lord, that that can happen. So uh, we're willing and ready and obedient, Lord, and we we. Wait on you, Father, for that. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.